Fijian, uh, or if you're not Fijian, you have the gift of interpretation, you can come for that. <laughs> Praise God. That's going to be tremendous. And uh, he's going to be going in Hornsby before that, so he'll be back and forth. Praise God. We have your Bibles with you. I trust you brought them with you. It's good to have a physical Bible. I love the paper Bible. Nothing like it. Amen. It's, it's good because you don't get tempted to, to check your emails on your paper Bible or your Facebook status. Uh, Matthew chapter 2, let's all stand in honor of the Word of God. Last week I had the wonderful privilege of ministering in uh, Campbelltown for their anniversary since uh, purchasing their building, their one-year anniversary, and they're doing tremendous in Campbelltown Church. Many new souls, and the church is growing. A wonderful atmosphere and presence of God. Matthew chapter 2, verse 10. We're, we're continuing a series that we started last week on the king. Uh, Matthew 2, 10 to 11. He says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And this is, these are the wise men. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Amen. I simply want to talk to you on those two other elements of frankincense and myrrh. Entitled this message, The Fragrance of the King. The Fragrance of the King. Would you pray with me one more time? We have a couple of prayer requests here today for Heiston from Brazil, who has COVID. It's Chris's father. And also we want to pray for Rafiq, Brother Rafiq's sister-in-law, uh, Mervet, who is dying of cancer. And so let us lift up our voices. We know that there's a God who hears our prayers, who can perform miracles, and he was a healer. Father, in Jesus' name, we stand in awe of your presence here this day. God, we bring before you these precious ones. You know them better than even they know themselves. But Lord, right now we ask you to heal Heiston today. This man, in the name of Jesus, that you would recover him from this, uh, Lord, COVID right now in Jesus' name. We think of, uh, of Sister Marquez's brother, Lord God, right now that you would heal him also of this same virus. In Jesus' name, we take authority over that sickness. We command that virus in Jesus' name to be gone and that you would heal and recover. For Mervet, Lord God, for Brother Rafiq's sister-in-law, Lord God, who is dying of cancer, Lord God, we know that her life is in your hands. And there's nothing too difficult for you. And so we ask you, Lord, to go to our hospital bed and bring a healing, a miraculous healing, instantaneously, Lord, in this self-same hour, in Jesus' name. Lord, heal, we pray. We thank you for your virtue. We thank you for your power. Lord, we ask you to anoint your servant and your people today. Speak to us, we ask you once again. Have your way in this house as we give our hearts over to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you clap your hands one more time and thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Amen. 
Whether you believe that Jesus was actually born on the 25th of December is inconsequential. And uh, Brother Ben, of course, last week gave us a great explanation that the 25th of December is probably the best educated guess or estimation by the early church fathers of when Jesus was born. It was not because uh, they were trying to change from uh, the worship of the sun god or the summer solstice. It was the other way around. Christmas or the birth of Christ was determined first. Despite all of that, I think it's good to celebrate the birth of Christ, the great incarnation of God. Besides, I like presents and food. <laughs> Tis the season. Just in the last few days alone, I think I've eaten so much. I'm having all these breakup dinners and parties. And but one thing is for certain that there are facts that are revealed to us about the birth of Christ, about what we call the nativity story. That Jesus was born to a virgin uh, Mary. And that also wise men came from the east bearing gifts. And we often portray them, you know, in the nativity scene that there's three wise men. But of course, again, in scripture, it doesn't say there were three. It just says there were wise men who bore or brought three gifts. And notice how, remember, in the Bible, there are no throwaway lines in Scripture. Every detail in Scripture is given to, to bring some kind of understanding and enlightenment. And notice the Bible story, the nativity story, doesn't even bother to name the three wise men. I mean, you know, surely they've come from a long way. <laughs> you know, they've traveled a long way for many days, perhaps weeks, even months. And yet the Bible doesn't even bother to tell us their name. Uh, church tradition eventually gives to us some of the names, but we don't really know if that's really their names. But what is given to us, what the Bible does bother to tell us are the three gifts that are in Scripture. Gold frankincense, and myrrh. And remember that these details reveal something in these, what we call magi, and in the, it also reveals something of the recipient of the gift. Because we understand that gold is a gift that you give that represents the kingship of the child. And this is what we heard about last week. Last Sunday, the kingship of the child, even Brother Downs a couple of weeks ago talked about this. And frankincense and myrrh have an intriguing significance. And the fact of the matter is that these two elements, frankincense and myrrh, are worth their weight in gold. I mean, how would you like that? That, you know, somebody comes, gives you a present, and it's a, it's a box of uh, toilet fragrance. <laughs> Somebody gives you a box of, uh, of you know, Airwick or something like that. And, you know, my wife, she loves the, the scented candles and so on. But we often think, well, you know, that's nice, frankincense and myrrh. But if you study in antiquity, frankincense and myrrh is the same value. In fact, 
it even considered to be worth more than gold. Amen. Frankincense, of course, was used by the priests to burn incense upon the altar of God. And so frankincense speaks to the deity of, of Jesus. It, it speaks to the fact that he was God. And, of course, gold speaks to his kingship. But frankincense speaks to his deity. And myrrh was used for, for many purposes. But one of the prominent uses of myrrh was for embalming. That when somebody died, they would embalm their bodies with oil. It would be included with myrrh. And again, myrrh had a fragrance. And myrrh speaks to his messianic identity. It speaks to his suffering. And so if frankincense speaks to his deity, myrrh speaks to his humanity. you got to understand, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, that, that there is within Jesus Christ, that he is fully God and he is fully man. That there was a recognition by these two gifts of frankincense and myrrh, that there was a recognition that he was a God from heaven, but he was also the Messiah, the anointed body or the anointed flesh of God. Amen. This is this is an idea that is challenged by so many other religions. This is an idea and a concept that is challenged by so many who are antagonistic towards Jesus. That, that he, they, they can call him everything, but they just don't want to call him God. Or that they will call him that he was just a pseudo-human. That he wasn't really human because he never sinned. No, he was fully God and he was fully man. He suffered and experienced everything that we could suffer, that a man could possibly suffer in this world, yet the Bible says he sinned not. Praise God. Amen. I just want to talk a little bit today on our Jesus. Praise God. That he was man, the dual nature of God. He was God and he was man. The dual nature of Christ. I read something recently. I like this. It says that, from his mother's side, he was born. But from his father's side, he had no beginning. He, he impregnated the, the virgin womb, and so he was of Mary's seed. But how he was conceived, it's a mystery. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. What's, what's the mystery of godliness? That God was manifest or became flesh. We don't know how he did it. We don't know where and how the mechanics and the science of it, but we know he did it. Amen. That in this virgin womb was conceived the child of the Holy Spirit. And so he had all the qualities of a human being because he was human in every way. And he inherited that from his mother's side, but he was more than just a man. Because from his mother's side, he grew in wisdom. But from his father's side, he is the source of all truth. From his mother's side, he experienced being physically tired. But from his father's side, he healed many people and raised them from the dead. Amen. From his mother's side, he experienced thirst and from his father's side, he is the living water. 
He experienced hunger from his mother's side. He is the bread of life from his father's side. From his mother's side, he wept. But on his father's side, he will wipe away all of our tears. From his mother's side, he bled. But from his father's side, his blood cleanses us from all sins. From his mother's side, he traveled on a boat. But from his father's side, he walked on water. Amen. From his mother's side, he died. But from his father's side, he is the life. And more importantly, he is risen and he is alive forevermore. I want you to know that what we have in Jesus, he is the one true living God. Revelations declares he is the Alpha and Omega, everything in between. He's the first, he's the last. He was the one who was and is and is to come. That's why when you say Jesus, you say it all. When you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you call upon the name of the only one true living God oh I'm glad I got a couple of Pentecostal excited here this morning but can I remind you there's nobody like Jesus he alone is a, the Bible says there's only one throne he's not Jehovah Junior he's not just a second person in the Godhead but the Bible says the Godhead is in Jesus Christ and you are complete in him Oh, can I boast just a little bit about the revelation of the one God? That's why they taught the children of Israel from the time that they can speak and remember. They said, remember this prayer. Shema Israel, Adonai Elohim, Adonai Echad. That means hero Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, I wish I could talk about that for a little longer. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody said that Jesus' only credentials were himself. He never wrote a book. He never commanded an army. He, held a, he never held political office. He never owned any property. He mostly traveled within 100 miles, a 100-mile radius of his village attracting crowds who were amazed at his provocative words and stunning deeds. Here's what Napoleon said. He said, I know men, and I tell you that Jesus Christ is no mere man. Between him and every other person in the world, there is no possible term of comparison. He said, Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I have founded empires. But on what did we rest the creation of our genius? Upon force and military might. But Jesus Christ founded his empire on love and at this hour millions of people would die for him oh can i tell you it's been 2000 years and the kingdom of god is stronger than ever before and when you come to recognize who he is when you come to the revelation that jesus is god then you will give everything you have to have him you'll do everything in your power to get god in your life oh he's worth it all if you spend every penny if you spend every second if you spend every ounce of energy to serve God Jesus is worth it all
Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. And because he came into this world, like that song we sing, heaven kissed earth, like a, like a beautiful kiss. We changed that from a sloppy wet kiss. That doesn't sound very reverent. <laughs> Amen. Yes, Jesus was a man who experienced what we experience. But at the same time, he was the Lord from heaven. Oh, bless the name of the Lord. That's why Acts chapter 4, verse number 10, it says, Let it be known to you all, watch this, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this man stands here before you whole, and this stone, he says, which is rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, he said, neither is there salvation in any other. He said, there's no other salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved can I tell you when you call upon the name of Jesus Christ you invoke the power of almighty God that's why we pray for our food in Jesus name we pray for the sick in Jesus name we marry couples in Jesus name and when we baptize we baptize in the name of Jesus hallelujah glory to God thank you Jesus if he's not God then you can dismiss him away if he's not who he says he is well go go do something else go buy some property make some money or something but if he is who he says he is, and I believe he is, because he confirmed it by his resurrection, then you better pay attention to what he has to say for your life. Then you better be obedient to what he commands of us. If he's God, then we better pay attention. So he came into this world. As a man, he identifies with us. He doesn't stand aloof far in our allowing this distance in our suffering. But I want you to know that he's with us. He put on humanity to walk in our shoes. This is the gospel, Brother Costa. This is the good news. The greatest story ever told. There's the, it's been said time and again, there's been many men who claim to be God. But there's only one God who didn't only claim he became man, walked among us. And the Bible tells us that he was arrested, that he was beaten and bruised. He was whipped and he was tortured, nailed to a cross. And he was killed on that cross. The Bible tells us this wonderful good news that even as he was buried in a tomb on the third day, he rose again. Aren't you thankful for a God who paid the penalty for our sins? He went to the cross so that he could pay for the penalty of our sins. And so the gospel mirrors what we must do in order to be saved, the gospel. Psalms 116, verse 12. 
I love this verse. It says, what shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits towards me? He said, what am I going to give to God for what he's done for me? What, what kind of Christmas gift are you going to give to Jesus? That's some of the hard, hardest things to buy for somebody when somebody's got everything. My wife always tells me, it's always so hard to buy for you because you're so fussy. Not because I got everything. But what do you get a God who's got everything? What shall I render? What, shall I, what kind of gift am I going to give to God? He owns everything anyway. Where well, here's what the psalmist said in verse number 13. Here's what I'm going to give to God. He says, I will take. Verse 13. I will take up the cup of salvation and will call upon the name of the Lord. Now that's a strange gift to give to somebody. It's to going to take from them. But the psalmist says that's the best thing that you could give to the Lord is you can receive the cup of salvation. Is you can receive his invitation of salvation that you can be born again of water and of the spirit. What you can do if you want to serve God, if you want to give to him the greatest gift this Christmas, you want to give to him a gift, the best gift that you can give to him is receiving him, receiving his grace. Praise God. And remember, his salvation, it's reflective of the gospel. The gospel is very simply that Jesus died, he was buried, and he was resurrected. He died, was buried, and then he was resurrected. And the same way we apply salvation to our lives, if you want, want to receive the grace of God, here's what you've got to do to be saved. You ready? Repent, which is to die to yourself, and then you've got to be buried that's being buried in water by baptism in Jesus' name. And when you do that, the Bible promises that you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. That's the greatest thing that you could do. In fact, can I tell somebody, this is the greatest message that you will ever hear. If you've not been saved, if you've not availed yourself of God's grace, and you're not given to him the gift of receiving his salvation, here's what you can do. And you, anybody can have this. Anybody can receive this. Is repent, which means to change your mind. I'm going to start following you. And to be baptized, that means to be a submerged water as we call on the name of Jesus Christ to wash away your sins and all oh, that great glorious promise you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit oh bless the Lord praise God I had somebody tell me recently that oh you don't need to be baptized to be saved the baptism is not essential for salvation they said, you can do it if you want to, but it's not essential. Well, I, of course, I, I had to beg to differ. Because <laughs> Mark 16, 16, it clearly says, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. And then people who don't believe that, that baptism is essential try to po point to the second part of that verse. It says, you see, he that believeth not shall be damned. It doesn't say he that is not baptized and believeth not shall be damned. So they're trying to argue from a position of silence in that second part. Leave that verse up there. From that second part of that verse. That because it doesn't say 
he, doesn't, he that is not baptized and believes not shall be damned. It says, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. It doesn't say that he is, that is not baptized shall be damned. Because uh, he, what he's trying to highlight is the fact that you've got to have belief. You've got to have faith. Because if you go in the water without faith and believing, well, you're just taking a bath. Well, we'll just give you a bar of soap. We'll give you a loofer. you got to have faith. He that believes and is baptized shall be. Can I talk to some? Can I just appeal to your logic for a moment? That if baptism is not necessary, if you get baptized and you don't get baptized, the next person gets baptized, the other. Why even have baptism in the first place? Let's just forget about it. If it's not essential, if it's not necessary. But, but listen, watch this. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 20. Here it is. The apostle Peter is likening baptism to uh, the flood of Noah. He says, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is only eight souls, were saved by water. Notice, notice the wording here. It doesn't say that Noah and his wife and their three sons and their wives it doesn't say they were saved by the ark. Well, hang on a minute. Isn't that what God told Noah to build? Build an ark so you can save your family. It's that Peter says they were saved by water. Because what did the water do? The water eliminated the wickedness of the world. And it saved them. It separated the wickedness of the world from Noah and his family. In the next verse, watch this. Verse number 21, he says, the like figure, or in the same way, even does baptism also now, what's the word? Save us. It saves. I, I'm, I'm going to stop right there. Let's go home. Okay, let's, that's enough. It says, wherein does baptism also now save us? Not putting away the filth. It doesn't say you're not going in there to have a bath to clean your skin. But the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I've come to tell you here today. Baptism is absolutely essential for salvation. If Jesus himself went to the Jordan River and he was baptized by John the Baptist, if the apostles, wherever they went in the book of Acts, they said, men and brethren, what shall I do to be saved? Acts 2.38, Peter said, here's what you got to do. Repent and be baptized. And I'm sorry, it doesn't say, well, if you want to. I know you're a little embarrassed. I know you're a little shy to get, a, get baptized in front of 3,000 people. If you want to, if not so good, you're saved by grace. No, it is absolutely essential. Uh, Jesus said, except a man is born again of water and of the spirit, you're not going to enter into the kingdom of God. Oh, hallelujah. Maybe I, I'm getting too excited. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's just have a little Bible study. Can I just have a quiet little Bible study? Acts chapter 10, verse 44. You ready? Acts 10, 44. Can I have a little Bible study right now? While Peter yet spake these words. Now, these are, this is the first time 
that the Bible records non-Jews, Gentiles like you and I, are, are getting saved. Whilst Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision, or the Jews, which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter. They were blown away. So look at these Gentiles. Look, look at these Assyrian folks. These Lebanese folks. Look at these Filipinos. They were astonished because they saw that the gift of the Holy Ghost was also poured out upon them. Verse 46, how did they know that they got the Holy Ghost? Watch this. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. That, that's how you know. It's fact, it's a universal sign throughout the book of Acts that whenever somebody got the Holy Ghost, there was a physical sign. That's what Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He says, no, you don't know where the Spirit is going. It's like the wind. But he said, like the people that are born again of the Spirit, you can hear the sound. There's a sound to when somebody receives the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible tells us when you pray in the Spirit, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you'll speak a language that you don't understand. It's not one of your other dialects that you may know that you grew up listening to. It's a completely foreign language to you. But the Bible says even though your mind is unfruitful, even though you don't understand, the Spirit of God is praying through you. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. They heard them speak in tongues. That's how they knew they got the Holy Ghost in verse 46. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water? that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. Listen to me. If you've got the Holy Ghost and you've never been baptized, here's my message to you from the Apostle Peter. He says, and he, verse 48, and he suggested, he recommended, he, well, I'll give you the option if you want to. I, I know I'm being a little facetious. I'm sorry. But I'm trying to make a point here. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And they prayed him to tear certain. He, he didn't just say, look, you, you guys got the Holy Ghost. If you want to, it's not really necessary for you to get. No, he, he says, you better get baptized. He commanded them. Come on, so it, it, maybe if you, you don't know how you were baptized, maybe you were baptized and, you know, just sprinkling over your head or they called over the Trinity in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. You've got to do it the way that the Bible does it. You've got to do it the way the apostles administered baptism, and that's by calling on the name of Jesus. Well, well, maybe it doesn't matter how you... Well, that's not up to me. It's not up to you to decide that. The Bible declares there's only one faith, one God, one baptism, and that baptism is in the name that is above every name, the only name under heaven given to us men whereby we must be saved. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. I, let, let, let me get to my sermon. I've got a minute to go. Now I got to go, go back to frankincense and myrrh. I didn't even get to the fragrance. I'm sorry. We ran out of time. But according to Simon Cotton of Chemistry World, he said frankincense and myrrh are, are saps that are drawn from the Boswellia sacra and Comifora trees. Respectively, frankincense was often burned as an incense. Why don't you put that picture up there real quick? 
while myrrh made its way into medicine and perfume in antiquity. Cotton writes, watch, listen to this. These saps are worth just as much as gold, sometimes even more. That, the white one, that's, that's frankincense, and the other one is myrrh. Next, next picture. This is how, how these, these fragrances are produced. Is they, is the picture's there somewhere. There it is. This is a, a guy from North Africa, and he's tapping, he is, he is wounding the tree. He's making an incision in the bark of the trunk of the tree, and when he makes an incision, it starts to bleed, or the sap starts to run. I remember as a kid, when we used to live in Singapore, remember, we, we would go to Malaysia for a holiday, we'd try, we'd drive from Singapore to Malaysia, and all I could remember in Malaysia was, was all of these rubber, rubber tree plantations. And you could see in them that there's like these diagonal cuts by which they collect rubber. It was the same kind of way that they do with, with frankincense. See that he's got a bowl on the ground. Next slide. And that's where they, it hardens. The sap hardens. Then they take the sap from the, the tree and then they collect it. They dry it out. They put it in an oven of some kind and they dry it out. And then it becomes ready for use. Very simple. And they said the frankincense is used uh, as not, it, it, the, the priest put it with a smoke. And, and have you ever smelled that frankincense? Anybody here ever smelled that? You know, you grew up in that, one of my, the churches I grew up in, they kind of swing it over there. And it was often used in the ceremonies of the temple because the people that would come together, they'd been sweating out in the field all day, hadn't had a bath for a couple of weeks. And so when they gathered together, oh, it, it didn't smell so grand. It didn't smell so majestic. And so frankincense was used to mask the smell and the stench uh, of the odors uh, of different things. You know, of course, they'd be walking on, on with, with sandals and, and streets where the, the, the vehicles were, were animals of burden, beasts of burden. And so they'd be stepping on all kinds of stuff. So when they'd be coming together, there would be a stench that would overcome. But the frankincense, it would mask the smell. Because smell is a very powerful sense that we all have. How many of you, you, you grew up like smelling certain things? I remember certain fragrances or smells. Growing up smelling my grandmother's cooking when I was a kid. You know, and, and when I smell that particular type of food, it, it, it automatically hearkens, brings me, it, it teleports me back to when I was six years old and smelling my grandmother's cooking. And I could remember, I just, the vividness of those memories when just by the smell. Amen. How many of you, you, you young men, you know, when you first were teenagers, oh, you, you better get some of that Old Spice. Anybody ever buy Old Spice? What about, what is it, Brute? Brute 33 or something? How many had Brute? I, well, well I, I didn't want to do the Brute because all the other guys, I wanted to be different. I wanted to do Old Spice. First started shaving. Ah! And that smell, you know, when I go to the chemist, they still sell that stuff. And I smell, and that smell of Old Spice brings me back to when I was 13. Our sense of smell is a very powerful sense 
that, that can help trigger memories that not only trigger memories but when you enter into somebody's presence and they smell good there's something about this person mm, they, this smells nice you know they take care of themselves they're looking after themselves you know or, or you could be going to the gym and and sometimes people don't take care of themselves in the gym and you're you're, you're working out next to somebody says, mm, somebody give that man a spray that's But, but here's what Jesus does for us. His grace and his mercy that led him in his, in his goodness to go to the cross and die for us. That regardless of how ugly the stench of our past, regardless of how ugly the smell of our broken lives, of our mistakes, of the things that we did with the presence of God, he brings a fragrance. The fragrance of the king that masks over the ugliness of our lives. He is able to bring a joy. Amen. That's why when, when people come into your presence, they can sense something. There's something different about you when they come into to come to know you there's something different and unique about you as a person because there's a fragrance there's the fragrance of the king that is all over you as you allow the holy spirit to consume your life and the spirit of god to fill you there's a, a fragrance that will just emanate to this world hallelujah and so today, I, I've got to wrap this up, musicians, if you'd like to come. This fragrance that fills, designed to fill the temple. That when you go into the holy place, the first thing you come across is the altar of incense. As you bring your, your sacrifice and you bring this fragrance, the priests were commanded to bring a frankincense. And that entire holy place, that room, would be filled with the aroma and the fragrance of the king. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Myrrh was used for embalming. And there's a beautiful story of a woman by the name of Mary who recognized the messianic prophecy that was being fulfilled through Jesus Christ. The Bible says she, she came to him, she bowed before his feet, taking the alabaster box. And theologians believe that that box was filled with all kinds of spices and ointment, including the myrrh. Myrrh was there because myrrh was used for embalming. And she broke the alabaster box, would have been very, which would have been very, very expensive. And, and she, she began to, to, to cover him and to wipe this, this embalming fluid over him. And the smell and the fragrance in that entire room would have been powerful. And yet even his own disciples said, you know, send her away. And Jesus said, no, 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 she, she's come here. She's done this for my burial. She's out of all the ones. You know, the disciples never recognized that Jesus' ultimate purpose. He was born to go to the cross. He was born to die. They never recognized that even after he was arrested. It was not until he was, it was, not until he was resurrected from the dead that they recognized. But this woman, 
she recognized that he is the Messiah. And she broke that alabaster box before him, filling that entire room with the fragrance of the king. It was all that she had. And can I tell you here today that what you have that is so valuable, not, not your money, not, not your, your stuff, but your heart, that when you can lay it down before his feet, break your heart as it were. That's what the Bible says. Don't break your garments. Don't rend your garments. Rend your hearts. That's what they used to do in the old days in the Old Testament. They would rip their robes out of anguish as a sign of despair and, and, and pain. But God says, don't, don't rend your garments. Instead, rend your hearts. Because if there's anything that I can guarantee you that God is with, it's not with the religious. It's not with the person that looks good on a Sunday. He's got the Sunday best on. But the Bible says, the Lord is with them who are of a broken and a contrite spirit. God is never further from us than when we are filled with pride in our hearts. But when we are broken before him with absolutely no strength to boast, with no, no sense of, of, of dignity that we have to, to ourselves, but simply say, God, here I am. I am a broken mess. I'm telling you, that's like perfume to his nostrils. It is a sweet smelling savor to God hallelujah this morning if you're willing to do that I believe God is willing to lift you up if you've never repented of your sin today you can repent and give your life to Jesus he will pick you up and he will fill you with his spirit he can give you this wonderful gift of having your sins washed away when you were baptized in Jesus name oh hallelujah would you stand with me today I've, I've got to stop Thank you, Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is here. Would you lift your hands right now? In the name of Jesus. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name, Almighty God. We bring our hearts before you this day. Lord God, we're asking you to touch us again, to fill us again. We surrender our hearts, Lord God, let it be as it were a sweet smell of aroma unto your nostrils. Let our hearts of surrender and our spirits of submission, Lord God, be given over to you as a worship, as a praise unto you, almighty God. Hallelujah. I've got to stop, but I believe God wants to do something here today. I want to open this altar, invite you to come out of your seat to find a place to pray. Find a place to bring your hearts, to fill your heart and your life with the aroma and the fragrance of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. By giving your very best, not just a part, not just a little compartment in your soul, but your everything, your all. Hallelujah. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have everything all right. And I'm not saying that you backslidden by coming here today. But you're simply wanting to give Jesus your all. Hallelujah. He's waiting for you. He's waiting to hear your voice calling him. He's waiting for you to submit your heart into his hands and to worship God. Hallelujah. This altar is open. If you need to 
to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, God can give you this wonderful gift. If you need healing in your body, the Spirit of Almighty God is flowing with power and virtue in this place. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, don't delay, don't procrastinate one day further, but make your calling and election sure. Today, right now, is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Oh, hallelujah. Why don't we all respond to God right now, to his word, in Jesus' name.